in today's show. It's mock draft time. And I'm going to be joined by Adam Spinella. You might know him as Coach Spins. You might know him from the Box and One. Uh, he's got a Substack. He's got a YouTube channel. We're going to do a mock draft for the first round. Mick Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. I'm going to do a mock draft today with Adam. We're going to take turns with the teams and I want to take turns. We're going to have 15 teams each or whatever it is. We're going to have 15 picks each. That's what I'm trying to say in the first round and go back and, and do those selections. Um, but Thursday, the NBA draft is on 8 p.m. Eastern. I will be doing a live show. No, I will not be at the red carpet. I will not be simulcasting, simulcasting. I don't know how you want to say it. You know, I won't have the ESPN screen there, but I'm going to be here talking. I'm working on a whole graphics package at the moment with player cards and and draft tickers and all that sort of stuff. And you can sit with me during the NBA draft as I react to things as they happen. There'll be a live chat that you can throw your questions into as well and your comments in as we're doing it. So that will be 8 p.m. Thursday on the YouTube channel. You'll see the video pinned on the front page of the channel as well. So be there Thursday, 8 p.m. live NBA draft show. Now, today, we're going to do a mock draft. It's going to be mock draft tomorrow as well, which includes my final sort of big board and rankings of things, as well as what I expect to happen in the draft. We're going to do that in tomorrow's show. But now, let's bring in today's guests. Get Not guests, just guest. Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right, so it's been far too long. He was going to be on the show a few weeks ago, and then he, he pescally got married and, and wasn't able to come on the show. You, might, again, as I said at the start of the show, you uh, we well, you've seen him around Boxing One podcast YouTube channel um, on Twitter. You would have seen his stuff, and that is Adam Spinella. Adam, welcome to the show. Finally, hey, thank you so much for having me here. Like you said, long overdue. I uh, I do apologize there for not making it on, but I think the the misses had uh, some other ideas for that day. But we're making up for it here and, and glad to be joining you on the show today. I, I think she gets precedence over some uh, some idiot in Australia talking about the NBA draft. But we're here now and you can talk to this idiot in Australia about the NBA draft. We're going to do a mock draft. And what I've tried to do in this mock draft, Adam, is give you the teams that have multiple picks in the first round. So you're going to be drafting for those guys. I'm going to be drafting for the rest of the teams. And we're going to go back and forward and make those selections of what we would do if we were in those positions uh, of those of those GMs. You can talk. We'll talk about your stuff, but again, everyone should know your stuff already from YouTube, the boxing one. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. But hey, let's get straight into this mock draft, and we'll start off with pick number one. That is the Orlando Magic. They are on the clock. It is me who has that selection with the Magic, and I've, I'm, I'm really torn on this one. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do here, but 
I've all the way through in my process, I've had Chet Holmgren number one. By tomorrow, I don't know that I still will, but I am going to take Chet Holmgren there at number one with that selection for the Orlando Magic. Again, I'm, I'm debating with Paolo to have him there, but at this point, I am going with uh, going with Chet and the number one selection. And that, you know, I don't know that it'll go that way, but there still seems to be, Adam, a little bit of debate over who is going to end up being the number one pick in this draft. Yeah, definitely still wide open there at the number one overall spot. I know I will be uh, kicking myself here because I'm on the clock number two for Oklahoma City, and I think Chet Holmgren would be the absolute perfect fit there for the Thunder. But what I'm going to do is, is go ahead and take the guy here at number two for Oklahoma City that I think is the best player available in this year's draft class. Uh, that's Paolo Bancaro out of Duke. I think at the end of the day, I would be kicking myself if I'm sitting here second overall and I don't take the number one overall player rated on my big board. Really love guys that are just great scorers and you can run an offense through. Uh, I think Bancaro checks all of those boxes, can be a potential three-level scorer, an isolation guy, and a really, really good passer, which is an underrated part of his game. So. When you have a, a draft pick in the top two or three and you have one of those guys available, I think that's what you draft for. And one of the reasons why here at Oklahoma City, uh, I, I would really go with Van Caro if Chet Holmgren is off the board. Yeah, I think to me, these two at this point in the process, two days out from the draft, they're my clear top two. And the order for me is sort of going back and forth. And I agree that if I was, and I don't tend to draft for fit or think about drafting for fit, but the fit is Polo in Orlando and Chet in in Oklahoma City, I think that's the perfect fit, and yeah, maybe that's what yeah we ends up happening. But again, you think you just got to take that guy there at number two, and that is Paolo. At number three, it is the Houston Rockets. You're on the, the clock for them again because they've got multiple picks in this first round. Are you just going to do the expected thing and take the guy that I guess is favored to go number one or number two in the in the NBA draft on Thursday? I am going to do the expected thing there. I'm going to take Jabari Smith Jr. out of Auburn to go to the Houston Rockets. Um, not the not a top three guy on my personal big board, but I do understand the appeal of having a really versatile three-point shooter that spaces the floor next to a star guard and a guy like Jalen Green. I think the fit here is a little bit more seamless in Houston. And as we're looking at our top order, one, two, and three, I actually think these are best-case scenarios for every team here. Uh, you know, you mentioned Paolo and Chet maybe being flip-flop there as, as being a little bit better fit for each team. But if on the Houston Rockets and Jabari Smith is available, a floor spacer, a good defender in the front court to go next to Alper and Shengun, and enough good playmakers and passers or handlers around him that the lack of ball handling ability and rim pressure doesn't get noticed as much. So I think Houston would actually be an outstanding fit for Jabari. If he's still on the board here, I have no hesitation taking him third overall. Yeah, I wouldn't have any hesitation. I don't think, well, actually, maybe I would have a little bit of hesitation, but I think his shooting and defense is really good. I worry about the upside usage of him being that number one, just guy that's running everything, but that's why I wouldn't pick him at one or two. But I think in this position, we'd totally be okay with that. Now, I believe that I am on the clock here at pick number four for the Sacramento Kings. And while it doesn't appear that this will happen in the real draft, and I'll talk about this more in tomorrow's show, it's leaning against this way, but this feels very Sacramento. I am going to take who I think is the fourth best player here, and that's Jaden Ivey, the guard out of Purdue. I just think that explosiveness, yes, there might be some concerns about is he actually a point guard, is he a shooting guard, is the shooting real, all that sort of stuff is real, but 
I don't see the next guy who's in this same sort of tier to me. To me, there's the three guys, or probably the two guys in a tier, and then maybe Smith and Ivy together in a tier, then it sort of falls away to me. So you don't always get the fourth pick when you're constantly sitting in the 11th or 12th seed. So getting up into this area, I'll take advantage of grabbing that guy who I do think is the best um, the best player available that's left on the board. At number four, which is um, Jaden Ivey from Purdue. Now, the next one is really tough to me because this is where it sort of gets muddy. And I don't really know what I'm going to do here for the Detroit Pistons, which, of course, I probably should know what I'm going to do at this point. I just don't. Um, all right. I'm going to well, I'm going to go a little bit off track here. Hmm. I don't feel good about it, and I don't. If I was the Pistons, I wouldn't feel particularly good about being in this spot unless Sacramento passes up on Jaden Ivey, which looks like it's a distinct possibility in the draft. But at this selection, pick number five for the Pistons. I'm just creating the graphic here in the background so that I'm ready to go. I'm going to curveball it up, Adam, and I'm going to take AJ Griffin. The age is really interesting. He's second youngest player in this draft class. The shooting is really good. Hopefully, he's over his injuries. He did play almost 40 games last year, so hopefully we're past that. Um, size, defensive ability, perhaps, significant upside. I don't really believe that Keegan Murray is the right guy there. Shaden Sharp was another guy I was considering, but I'm going to take I'm going to take AJ Griffin here at number five. Is that is that just outrageously bad? It's not that it's outrageously. It, 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 I understand it completely. And I, I think that there are a lot of people out there that like, if you buy into the intel about his injuries being in the rearview mirror and you think he can be a number one option or a, an isolation creator at the NBA level, then he's clearly a top five or six talent in this class. I think his offensive ceiling definitely puts him in this five to seven range in this draft class. Uh, I, I do like the fit of Jaden Ivey in Sacramento again a clear-cut top four guys here. And once Ivy's not on the board for Detroit, it does become a little bit more of an interesting type of selection. Uh, I know that actually helps me out a little bit here on the clock next at number six for the Indiana Pacers. Uh, I've wrestled with this one. There were a lot of rumors out there that they love Jaden Ivy. Obviously didn't fall to us here at six. Keegan Murray, another guy that the Indiana Pacers are rumored to be in love with, but not necessarily my favorite fit here. As I've kind of anguished over this back and forth right now, I'm going to end up going with Shaden Sharp out of Kentucky here, uh, making the upside play for the Indiana Pacers. And part of this is driven by the fact that I think the organization needs to have a great deal of patience when building this roster out for their next run at a playoff contention. So at this point in time, I don't see the pieces that they have as really being well-fitting. I think they're more in tear-down mode as we hear reports about Miles Turner and Malcolm Brogdon being available via trade than they are about trying to gather some win-now pieces. So if that's going to be the case, then why not open that long-term window by taking somebody who I really believe in as a a top one or two offensive uh, talent once we get outside of that top four tier that we already discussed here in this draft class. So I'm a big Shaden Sharp fan. I think there's a ton of upside to him. Freak athlete, but is going to need a little bit of patience, and Indiana is one of the franchise poised to be able to give that to him. 
I was debating him at number five, and I've had him up at five in my previous mock draft, so I've got no issue with that at all. We're going to get back to my pick at number seven with Portland in just a second, but I do have to tell you guys about Price Picks, which is, of course, daily fantasy made easy. It's very easy. You pick two to five players, and there's over-unders, points, rebounds, steals, assists, blocks, whatever, and you just go over-under for each of those, smoosh them all together, and you can win up to 10 times your entry fee. It's safe. It's fast. The withdrawals are very, very easy as well, and it doesn't just have to be basketball. You can combine multiple sports into one entry baseball hockey football college sports when all of those things are back cracking as well soccer also and we have an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all users you got 50 bucks for free if your player on your first price picks entry scores a single point but you must use the code nba that's right it's an exclusive offer available for locked on fans up today use the code nba 50 bucks for free if a player on your first price picks entry scores a single point price picks is daily fantasy made easy all right i said i was on the back on the clock at number seven with Portland. And as I was doing that ad read, I didn't come to a conclusion of what I was going to do. So I'm just going to think about it now. The, I think the obvious one, well, there is an obvious one there, and it probably is Keegan Murray. They don't have much in terms of forwards. There's Lillard, there's Simons in the backcourt. Um, they allegedly want to try and win now, even though that's probably not going to be super successful for them to do that. Um, I am lower on Murray than... Others are, but I don't think I'm going to let him slide any further. So at number seven, the Portland Trailblazers, they're going to slide in and take Keegan Murray at number seven. As I just get that updated across there. Yeah, there we go. Keegan Murray at number seven to the Blazers. Number eight is me also. Hmm. And that is the New Orleans Pelicans. And they have just so many ways that they can go. Here, um, hmm, who am I? I've debated this one multiple times on all my other mocks as to which direction I'm going to go. And I think I'm going to go back to this guy, which would be a really solid fit in my mind. And that is the guard out of the G League Ignite. I'm going to take Dyson Daniels at pick number eight for the New Orleans Pelicans. Let's update that over on the screen at number eight. New new little graphic up there. Dyson Daniels at number eight. Lonzo Ball-esque sort of player. If you want anyone to fix someone shooting, you take them. New Orleans can do it. Like Herb Jones, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. These guys are not good shooters at all. And if Dyson Daniels can become a good shooter, he's already a good defender. He can pass. He can rebound. Um, it could be perfect. So I'm going to take Dyson Daniels there at number eight. Coach, you are back again with the first of three San Antonio Spurs picks. At number nine, the whispers appear to be that they are just super interested in a center, which is weird to me considering they have a very, very good center there already in Yucca Pertle. Are you going to take a center for them? So I thought about it. I was queuing that up, but you went in a little bit of a different direction than I thought you would at number eight. So I do like both of those selections that you just made. I think Keegan's a perfect fit in Portland. Really think Dyson Daniels is a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, who helps out with a, a New Orleans Pelicans team ready to make the leap in the Western Conference. But with you passing on a guy that I have a top seven grade on, I have to go after him right here for San Antonio. That's Benedict Matherin out of Arizona. I'm a really big fan of his game. I think that if you're going to be a role player in the NBA, being able to be an elite three-point shooter as well as somebody that can run off screens is highly coveted. Matherin combines that strong shooting ability with good athleticism upside to be a secondary creator and scorer with the ball in his hands. And I do think that 
with the way that San Antonio is constructing their roster with multiple wing players and trying to be a little bit more switchable one through four, then Matherin would fit pretty well in that scheme while providing much needed floor spacing next to DeJounte Murray. So I, uh, I'm very fortunate that Benedict Matherin was still on the board here for my pick at number nine. When, you know, when I look at the, the, the Spurs team, I feel like they're, they are a little bit undersized with, you know, Kelton Johnson playing the four a lot and he's what six, six, maybe like, he's not particularly big. Are you worried that Matherin who's a two, but maybe he's a little bit undersized there as I know he measured at times at six, six, but maybe some people think he's a little bit on the shorter side there. Is that just another smaller guy or you're not really concerned about that? Just getting that shooting in there to you know, help, you know, with the, the the Josh Primos and just getting a bunch of guys on the perimeter who can who can shoot is more important than maybe that size deficit they have. Yeah, that's that's pretty much where my mind is right now. I also think that Matherin plays a little bit bigger than he's given credit for. He's got long arms. He's decently athletic. I think he does have a strong frame, which can allow him to maybe guard up the lineup a little bit for more twos and threes. So uh, not as big of a concern for me, particularly in knowing that We've got two other selections later in the first round, and we might be able to find the type of rim protector or larger defensive forward in those ranges that can really help out our defense. I'm up at number 10 with the Washington Wizards, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest, I hate it. Like I, I don't know what to do here. I know what they need, and the player's not there really there available. Um I don't know what's going to happen with Bradley Beal. Hopefully, Tommy Shepard has some sort of an idea before he's making this pick, but but I just don't know. And it's in this area of the draft where I'm just not really 100% sold on the guys that are available. But because I do buy the size, I love the defensive ability. Um, yes, the Wizards have got forwards. I don't think any of them particularly good. And I'll throw another guy into the mix there because if they work out, we saw it with the Raptors, if you have these guys that actually turn into good players at this size, it can be really useful. So I am going to... Select Jeremy Sohan out of Baylor 6'9 forward, who can't really shoot at this point, but I think there is a little bit of value maybe. But defensively, it's really good. And yeah, I, I, if I was the Wizards, I'd be ending the Rui Hachimura experiment. I don't really think that's the guy that's the answer there. Kuzma's there, but he's older than you expect. And I think Sohan and Avdia could become a good forward pairing in your three or four years' time. Again, I hate, I hate it. I don't really like the pick. I don't like the spot the Wizards are in for what their team, where they sit. Um, but that's that's the direction I'm going there. What do you what do you make of that? I, I I don't expect you would have gone with that selection there, but how like is it is it terrible? No, it's certainly not terrible. I think at this point the Wizards are, are a team that just needs talent, right? Um, and at the end of the day, I do believe that Jeremy Sohan's a lottery type of talent in this year's draft class. If you don't feel comfortable that you can get a point guard on the board here at ten, which is a, a desperate area of need for Washington, then take the best player available and or draft somebody that you know is going to be coveted in a trade that might land you a veteran point guard. So certainly understand here that uh, the Washington pick is always going to be fluid on draft night. Yeah, the Washington ones, it, it's weird. It's, it's a weird spot. And now we go to the New York Knicks, which is my pick again. Um, it does. Yeah, look, I, I'm not certain with this one either. I think they, I think they need a point guard, but I also think they've got a Kentucky guard on their roster who probably should be given that opportunity next season in Emmanuel quickly, if not for their coach having maybe some level of brain damage and not giving him that role at some point over the last two years. I have faith that maybe the big fella Tom Thibodeau wakes up and, and gives quickly that role, so maybe that needs not quite as there. So with the whispers that maybe. Maybe Mitchie Robinson is on the way out. I'm just going to replace him with Jalen Duran, the youngest player in the draft. Plenty of time for him to develop. 
He's big, he's strong. Um, I don't think he's a game-changing center, but I think he's a pretty good center. And whether I'm picking at 11 or you know, you're picking about 20, look, could he have a Jared Allen career? Maybe. That's pretty bloody good. And again, this is not the strongest draft class. So I'll take him there at number 11, Jalen Duren from Memphis going to the New York Knicks. Um, I've seen a lot of people have um, Jalen up in the top five or top six and push him back for positional value and all that sort of thing. Are you one of those that's, that's really high on Jalen and or are you just like, I just don't want centers that high in the draft? Yeah, no, I, I do like Jalen Duran. Have him tenth overall on my board. Actually, mocked him most recently to the New York Knicks here. So, I think this is a, a really good fit, uh, both in terms of what Duran needs in order to really thrive at the next level, and organizationally, I do think the Knicks need a little bit more athleticism and rim protection there in a way that they can upgrade over Mitchell Robinson. So, do love the fit there for the New York Knicks, and, and I am a believer in Duran just in terms of talent overall in this class easy to forget he's the youngest guy that's going to be available on draft night so uh, the sky is the limit for a guy like him which i believe now puts me back on the clock with oklahoma city um and i had taken palo bancaro second overall because you had done me the great disfavor of taking chet holmgren number one so as we're shaping this roster right here i'm looking at a couple different avenues to go down uh do i want to go the rim protection route and try to get another center in here on a lineup that desperately needs it. Now knowing that we're committed to having a non-rim protecting four in Paolo Bancaro, or do we want to try to prioritize floor spacing and shooting here if it might be available? I think what I'm going to do here is go a little bit more for, for long-term fit um, next to Paolo Bancaro. And I'm going to go Mark Williams out of Duke. Might sound like a little bit of a surprise, but I know uh, in forecasting the future of this draft here, I find it very unlikely that Williams makes it past 13, 14, or 15, just knowing that Charlotte is going to be on the clock next. So if I really believe that he's going to be a strong rim protector in the NBA for years to come, like I do, uh, I think Oklahoma City needs to get that backline rim protector on their roster sooner rather than later. I also like the continuity of having two college teammates and good friends in Bancaro and Williams coming to learn the ropes together in the pro system here in Oklahoma City. That's an interesting thing about the college teammates. We've seen it in the NFL quite a bit of taking quarterbacks and receivers that work together in college and that sort of communication that's already there. And, and Bunkero and Williams obviously started together in the front court uh, for Duke this season and have some of that communication there. So that does make sense. I'm sure Charlotte, which is you, is punching the air right now. Uh, they don't get either Duren or Mark Williams. We'll get to Charlotte in just a second. I've got to tell you, though, now about Bet Online, the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. BetOnline.net gives you all those latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including the Stanley Cup playoffs and Major League Baseball going on at the moment. It is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf as well. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. Charlotte Hornets, back. Here they've got pick 13, then they've got pick 15. So you've got a couple of selections to make for them. Uh, you know, I'm in the middle there at number... Oh, hang on, I've got the wrong screen up. There we go. Because they did make a pick. The Thunder, there you go. So now we're up to number 13. And... What are you doing for the Hornets in this spot now that both of those centers have gone? 
Yeah, other than kicking myself for not being able to get one of Darren or Williams, I got to make a selection here in some regard. I'm actually going to go with somebody that I have a top eight grade on and believe is the best player available. That's Jaden Hardy out of Ooh. the G League Ignite. This may come as a surprise to Mendy, but at the end of the day, this is a, an 18-year-old who was tasked with being the number one offensive option in a professional league that many believe might be the second most talented league in the world right now in the G League. And uh, the way that he played this year is – yeah, really high volume, not a ton of efficiency. When you factor in the, the the thought of him being a teenager, having the keys to an offense in a professional league, and being surrounded by a bunch of floor spacers that shot beneath 30% from three, Dyson Daniels, Michael Foster Jr., uh, Marjan Bochamp, Scoot Henderson, none of those guys shot above 30% from three on the season. That really drags down the amount of space that Hardy had to create. I think that the Charlotte Hornets still need one long-term secondary scorer to be able to pair with LaMelo Ball. I'd be thrilled if you get that here in Hardy, and I think he does have a decently high floor because at the end of the day, he can come in and play a little bit of that Jordan Poole-like role off the bench where he's just a gunner with your second unit. I think that the Hornets would really benefit from having somebody like him, and this is a good upside swing to take at 13. I swear, Jaden Hardy has just such different value. I hear people talking, oh, yeah, maybe pick 35. That's where I'd look at him, second-round guy, end of the first, and it's like, no, I'd pick him top five. Um, it's all over the place because of how highly regarded he was in high school, how bad the shooting was in the G League, and trying to work out where it fits there. Do you buy into the poor fit in the poor system and the poor shooters he was with and you know, look at the um, high school staff and the high usage volume or just go well he was in a professional environment and he sucked and maybe that's just it's going to get worse in the NBA which is all they're all valid now I, I don't really know where to go so hey again absolutely no worries with him going at pick 13 there to Charlotte it is my pick with 14 for the Cleveland Cavaliers I'll get let you have a think about what you want to do back with Charlotte here at 15 because at 14 whew, yeah, I don't know. Look, there's just so many guys in this area, but I'm warming up to this guy because, you know, look at the fit in Cleveland. They need forward-sized players. They were starting Dean Wade, yeah, at times at the three this year. Larry Markinen, of course, starting at the three. Not saying this guy's going to overtake Larry Markinen immediately, but Usman Jeng is a tall wing, 6'9", 6'10", ball handler, who was dreadful and then really good. And which one of those you want to believe, I guess, makes would indicate how you view this pick, whether it's a good pick or a bad pick. But Usman Jeng's got the size. He's got the ability as a ball handler. He takes a lot of threes that don't go in, but he takes a lot of them. And if that can work, then that sort of size there on the wing in Cleveland, I think would make a lot of sense for them. You are up at 15. I didn't um, I didn't ruin your night by taking Charlotte's uh, selection at 15 there, did I? No, you did not. So Usman Jang, not really on our radar right there for the, the Charlotte Hornets. And look, at 15, I am debating right now going best player available on our board, which for me is a very clear Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin. To, to get him here outside of the lottery would be tremendous value. As I'm looking through the rest of the board, I'm looking for more wings, guys that might be able to come in and play the three slash four or at least give defensive impacts because I know there are no longer bigs that are lottery caliber on the board. But I'm not finding anybody that jumps out to me, so I am going with Johnny Davis. Again, best player available here. Somebody that I, I do believe in is going to be a really strong defender at the next level. So right now we're kind of reworking our backcourt. We've got a ton of options here in Charlotte. And at the end of the day, if we can't get one of these really high caliber big men through the draft, we're going to stock up on guards 
and try to figure out which one of these guys is going to be a trade asset that helps get us the right big man to round out our roster. Yeah, I would have taken um, Davis in this one. I'm not as high. Some people have Davis top six, top seven. I'm not that high on him, but this to me feels like the right area for him. And if you hadn't have taken him there at 15, he would have gone at the next pick at number 16 to the Atlanta Hawks. But instead, I'm going with another forward-sized play. Well, actually, not, well, Davis not a forward-sized play, but a bit bigger than Davis, a defensive guy that can perhaps fit into the role that at times Timothy Lawawu Cabro was filling in for this team amazingly. And I'm going to take Tari Eason, the forward from LSU, really good defensive um, numbers. He had a high usage at LSU. He's not going to have that in Atlanta, but at least he's got something else to fall back on. He's got other clubs in the bag that he can use. And that, you know, with DeAndre Hunter, not reliable. Can't rely on him to play at this point or to shoot well. Uh, Eason gives him another option there to work as a defensive option on a team that has struggled on the defensive end for a couple of seasons. That would leave you, I believe, to pick next with the Houston Rockets with their second selection of the draft at pick number 17. So, who is it? Josh, I am doing uh, as many somersaults and backflips as I can right now. I'm so excited to be able to select Jalen Williams from Santa Clara here for Houston. Uh, I really have grown to admire him as a player. Fantastic young man, but I think his skill set fits really well with the combination of young building blocks that we have on this Houston Rockets roster right now with Jalen Green and our third selection earlier in the draft, which was Jabari Smith out of Auburn. Williams is six foot five with a seven two wingspan, a very good creator out of the pick and roll and a phenomenal passer. He combines that with three level scoring potential, not necessarily polished in every single area, but has shown flashes of being able to do that and play with the ball in his hands. I now feel comfortable that we have enough creators in the half court with Williams, with Jalen Green, maybe even Porter Jr. at the point, and in Alperin Shangun as a unique creative big man to really be able to get a lot of different ways to run offense on this team while having an elite floor spacer in Jabari Smith. I'm really liking the way this Rockets roster is coming together. Hmm. He wasn't really in my consideration around this. I like him, but probably more, you know, three, four picks after this. I had a couple of other guys that would have taken here. So that makes my selection with Chicago a little bit more interesting because um, nearly every one of my mocks that I've done, I've just gone Chicago, EJ Liddell, done. We're good. All right, get a defensive guy to play the three and the four. But now that this other guy is available, who happens to be EJ Liddell's college teammate, I'm going to take Malachi Brannan because if there's anyone that you want to learn from as to how you take contested mid-range long twos, and how to make that a successful part of an NBA game, it's DeMar DeRozan. And that's what Branham did. Now, I think Branham can move back and shoot threes better than DeRozan did, but otherwise he can just be and just sit and learn from DeMar DeRozan and be a guy who can be a usage player and a scorer off the bench, um, you know, a bit more size than Kobe White, a little different player, obviously, but I'm going to take Malachi Branham. They're at number 18 for the Chicago Bulls. Does that, does that change any of your plans here? Because I think you're... Oh, no, it's me again, up at number 19. So does it change any of my plans? I don't know, because I wasn't wasn't aware that it was my pick. So let's go to Minnesota. Whew, what am I going to do here with Minnesota? All right, I think I'm just going to... Oh, do I do what I was going to do for Chicago? Because they do need forwards. Or do I, do I... No, let's do this. All right, so it is a common draft trope. I don't know if trope is the right word, but it's something we talk about all the time because it's, in most cases, been proven to be true. That if you're a guard playing in Kentucky, 
your college stats look terrible. And then you get to the NBA and everything opens up. So let's take a guard from Kentucky, Ty Ty Washington, who I legitimately considered at number 10 for Washington. So I go, if this Kentucky guard thing continues on with him, they need a guard. Then it's brilliant. But I didn't have the balls to do it. So I'm going to do it now. Number 19 for Minnesota, D'Angelo Russell. I don't think he's the long-term solution there for them at point guard. So let's get Ty Ty in there, get him up to speed, get him ready for a couple of years' time. And hopefully the Kentucky guard stuff uh, does play out again. And uh, he fires up at number 19 there to Minnesota. Are you one of those that's way down on Ty Ty? Or are you more or higher on him than where he's gone here? Yeah, I am way higher on him, and I was crossing my fingers and really hoping he fell to me with San Antonio at 20. Again, just another best player available. I love the Kentucky effect comparison that you're talking about there. I think that the sky is the limit for him at the next level where he gets to play a little bit more with the ball in his hands while also proving that he can be an elite three-point shooter. So it is you at number 20, San Antonio, their second draft pick. So what are you doing? It is. Again, I'm, I'm looking for size here, whether it's at the four or at the five for the front court. I'm not finding it with three first round selections. I don't think we're going to be able to keep all three on our roster next year. So I am going to take the first draft and stash prospect of this draft. And it's actually going to be a little bit of a surprise to some. I'm taking Gabriel Prochita out of Fortitudo, Bologna. A really big believer in his upside as a three and D type of guy. Uh, really, really athletic, springy in the open floor, but a strong and solid individual defender. I think that San Antonio's mold and blueprint for this roster is in getting a lot of long-armed, versatile defenders who can do a lot of things on the offensive end. Prochita can shoot it. I think he has room to grow as a one-on-one creator. He's shown flashes of being a good step-back scorer. Still very raw, has a long way to go to get to the NBA level. But again, this is as much about believing in his upside and knowing that we're not going to be able to keep three first-round selections on our roster, that if a trade is not possible here, I'm going the draft and stash route with my top international guy on the board, and that's Prochita. I had typed in another name when you started to talk about international, and I quickly had to delete that on the graphic here. But someone in one of my comments about Prochita the other day said, I just think he's the next Mario Hazonia, a European guy who is sneaky athletic. Look at the massive dunks he's throwing down. Yeah, can we assuage that? Obviously, we're not picking him top five, but is what's the difference between him and Hazonia? So I, I think, for, yeah, I think it's the shooting for me. That's where I'm really bought into to a guy like Prochita. Um, but I also believe that you know the Spurs organization is going to be able to mold him and craft him in a lot of different ways that will help him thrive in the NBA. I don't think that Hazonia really received the right type of development and treatment when he was over in the United States to really maximize his potential. Uh, I, I do have that trust in our organization here at San Antonio. That's fair enough. I think you, I think you should have that uh, that sort of trust. So it is your pick again. You are on at number twenty-one with the first of two picks for the Denver Nuggets. Twenty-one. What are we doing here uh, with Denver? I am indeed on the clock here. I'm scouring my big board to try to figure out exactly who the right fit is going to be for our roster. And I am going to go with O'Shea Agbaji out of Kansas. I do believe in having three-point shooting flanking Nikola Jokic as being just something that's incredibly important for the Denver Nuggets. Look, as I'm speaking as as somebody representing this organization right now, we're gearing up to try to win a championship. We need somebody else that can come in and defend on the wings, knock down shots, and give us a few instant impact minutes if we need to call his jersey number. 
To me, there's nobody better than a four-year college player who's coming off of a national championship win and is a very dependable 3 and D role player. O'Shea Agbaji to Denver, and I'm not thinking twice about it. It's you at 22 again with the Memphis Grizzlies. I, I'm not a massive fan of Agbaji early on in the draft, but you're, you're right. At this point, reliable, uh, hopefully reliable shooting guy. You don't expect high upside, fit in a role. Fine, absolutely no problem with that. This is the right spot for him. And now you're at 22 with Memphis. 22 with Memphis. I identify, again, we have two first-round selections here. One of them I want to go swinging for somebody that I believe is going to provide a lot of long-term value. This may sound like a reach to some. To me, it's right in the wheelhouse for where he needs to be. It's Max Christie Ooh. out of Michigan State. I'm a big fan of Max Christie. Uh, I think that the, the Memphis Grizzlies are developing a blueprint of building their roster with John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and a lot of competitive three-point shooters around those two guys, particularly those who want to play on defense. As I went back and I watched a lot more Max Christie film, I was impressed with the way that he defended. Uh, there's also small bits of intel that were out there about a month ago. You know, He did not compete in the combine. He shut down some of his workout circuits. A lot of people might believe that he has some sort of a promise here in the later part of the first round. I don't think this is a reach at all for Christie. A very good three-point shooter who just – the ball didn't go into the hole this year for him at Michigan State. But competitive, good defender, really like his upside and think that the more shooters you can sound, surround John Morant with, the better. Yeah, look, don't look at his numbers for Michigan State because they're just they're, – they're shocking. They're absolutely dreadful. And you're going to look at that and go, well, what am I doing? What are, what, are we, what are we picking this bloke here for? But, again, it's not all about that the size, the defensive tenacity. You hope that some of this stuff improves. And yeah, the, the pedigree is there for him. It's not what I would have done. It surprised me, but that's, I, I think he's around that 20, to me, he's 27 to 30, that sort of range. But again, in Memphis, you've got the luxury of developing and getting some minutes and they take flyers on guys who have got that sort of um, ability. And it'd be interesting to see how he, uh, how he pans out. Number 23, this is the Philadelphia 76ers. I think this guy slid too far, and that's EJ Liddell. The 6768 forward from Ohio State, really, really good defensive numbers in college. Just a guy that can slide in there, help uh, you know, instead of having to play Furkan Korkmaz up at times at uh, at the three or the four, you can sort of put him in, in place of Tobias Harris when he if he's hurt or just as a backup there. Their big man depth is pretty rough. They don't yeah, a center would be great, but I didn't really see anyone here that I wanted to take. Maybe I could have gone with a center, but I'm going to take Liddell. I just think he slid too far, and that defensive upside is pretty interesting for me at that position. And it's me again at number 24. That's the Milwaukee Bucks. Hmm. What are we going to do here for the Bucks at number 24? Who is on my list? Hmm. Yep, let's do this. I'm going to take a flyer on a guy that I've been convinced by speaking to Rafael Barlow yesterday about this guy's upside and how high he is on him. And that is the guard from Notre Dame. I'm going to take Blake Wesley at 24. No need really for him to play at this point or play huge minutes or anything like that. I don't think Grayson Allen's the answer at the two. Let's just get Wesley in there. He can take those Jordan Wara minutes. He can you know, push into the rotation at some point, but athleticism, hopefully, um, usage upside. Blake Wesley, 24 Milwaukee Bucks is my pick. I think that puts you on at number 25, again with San Antonio, their third pick. They went with um, Gabriel Prochita last time, so they do have that 
um, draft and stash ability there. What are you doing at 25? Yeah, trying to figure out exactly what the best fit is going to be here for the San Antonio Spurs. Again, I would love to have some size. There's just not many guys that I have legitimate first-round grades on that are bigger bodies at this point in the draft. So I'm going to go with somebody that I think has a lot of potential to be a really good role player in the NBA long-term, fits in culturally with what we're doing here in San Antonio, and who we can continue to develop as a three-point shooter. That's Dalen Terry out of Arizona. Uh, Again, maybe a little bit more of a thinner body, and we are collecting a lot of guys who are more backcourt-oriented here on this Spurs roster. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to be incredibly challenging to have to acquire a big man out there on the market. I know there have been some rumors linking us, the San Antonio Spurs, to DeAndre Ayton. If that's the case, I'd love to get a lot of different role players and figure out later who are the right ones to package in a trade, who do we keep around to work with Ayton and this core in the future. So really buy into Terry as a high-energy type of defender, a good ball handler who loves to play in transition, has to figure out how to score in the half court, but I do believe that San Antonio is the right type of development organization for him to realize those goals. Hmm, he's an interesting player because his usage is just comically low playing in Arizona, but the passing and the size, that's all very interesting. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, I, I'm not as high on Terry, but I can see the appeal in what he does and having those other skills when you're not going to be a high usage guy in the NBA anyway. So having something else to do is really important. And Terry is that, is that guy who's got those other skills. So you're on again with another team with their third pick and that's the Houston Rockets at number 26. Their, their first two picks to recap, Jabari Smith at number three, and then Jalen Williams at number 17. Are you taking another player whose first name starts with J? I am not here, uh, but we are going for another wing, a defensive-minded wing, because I think defenders are the right way to build out the rest of this roster here in Houston. Uh, I'm going with Marjan Bochamp out of the G League Ignite, uh, somebody who has had a very circuitous path to get to draft night and get to the NBA but a really talented defender, seven-foot wingspan, strong-bodied, super athletic. Uh, He has shown in the past a real propensity and ability to score the basketball. He, in a lot of these pre-draft workouts, has talked about embracing more of that defensive specialist type of role, modeling his NBA game off of somebody like a Herb Jones. I think that that defensive Swiss Army knife can come in, guard multiple positions, but we have seen some evidence that he can put the ball in the bucket is really valuable for this Houston Rockets team. Again, if I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm Raphael Stone and I walk away at the end of the day with Jabari Smith, Jalen Williams, and Marjan Bochamp, I'm incredibly happy. Yeah, he's. He, I have heard those things about him talking about, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a defender. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to defend. I'm going to defend at a really high level. And hey, that's, again, know your role. Fill a role that's important. And this team, if you know, Jalen Green's not going to go do it. And having someone out there you can pair with him maybe like a Herb Jones, is really important. There's a lot of interesting players still on the board here. And this is a guy that I debated. I've got Miami here at number 27. I debated this guy early on. Even I've considered even inside the top 20. At 23, I was looking at him with Philadelphia. Um, and I'm going to take Jake Laravia from Wake Forest to number 27. Um, really smart player, shooter, great cutter. Uh, 21 years of age. I just think PJ Tucker's opted out. I don't know if he's coming back, but there is rotation minutes there available in the forward spots for the Heat. Like yeah, there's Caleb Martin, there's these sort of guys, but these aren't high-end players. And yeah, LaRavia, I think he's just a smart guy that would buy in completely to Heat culture. 
you know, heat culture. Um, I just think he's a really smart player, and I think he's a fit on so many teams, especially good teams. And this is a real bonus for them to get him here at number 27. Speaking of good teams, I think it is me again at number 28 before you finish off the draft with the final two picks. I've got the champion Golden State Warriors. They would have loved LaRavia here just quietly. They don't end up getting him. Hmm. So what am I doing at this point? All right. Hmm. Let's, oh, geez, I, there's so many guys that I wanted to pick here, but I am going to just do what the Warriors have done. It, it, we've talked about them in the past. Oh, yeah, they need win-now players. They need to trade draft picks to get um, guys in to help them win a title. Well, obviously, they didn't need that because they won a title without doing it. So they're going to go upside again, and they're going to take a guy with a high pedigree who sucked. Patrick Baldwin Jr., who was dreadful, lots of injuries, but he's big. Theoretically, he can shoot. And again, a Baldwin Kaminga, if they reach 90th percentile outcomes, it's a pretty scary front court combination, I think. So taking that, they don't need anyone to, to actually do anything right now. You can take the swing on a guy that, I guess, I guess Adam, he might have been like a top 10 at least guy before the start of this college season. And you can get him here at the end of the first round. Yeah, definitely an upside swing there. Not one I, I hate by any means. Um, as I look at those last two selections you've made, obviously shooting is paramount at the end of the first round for a lot of the guys that you're valuing right now and can certainly understand why. Floor spacing is the ultimate way to stick in the NBA as a role player. It's honestly one of the reasons why Patrick Baldwin Jr. has a chance to overcome what really was a strange and difficult season for him at Milwaukee. Uh, 29 is me. Back on the clock here with Memphis, I took Max Christie last time as more of a shooter and a shooting guard. I think I need a little bit more size on my roster moving forward. Uh, I'm going to go with Ishmael Kamigate out of Paris. More of a draft and stash here. Again, I, I think with where the Memphis Grizzlies are at, I don't foresee many openings in the rotation for next year that draft picks can really come in and fill. So why not go for a good offensive fit in Christie and a great defensive fit long-term in Kamigate? Super, super raw. Needs a lot of time in order to get him to develop on both ends of the floor. But just with his length, his natural movement ability, and I do believe that there's going to be some upside to play him in both switchable coverages and a drop coverage where he can be an elite rim protector. I like that versatility from big men if I'm going to draft them in the first round, but would love to get him locked up here at the 29th overall selection. There's a bunch of interesting big men around this area. There's Kamagate, and I go back and forth as to which one I like more. There's Kamagate, there's Kessler, there's uh, Coloco in this range as well. But I'm, I'm hearing a lot of positive things about Kamagate of late, so can't really argue with it. Again, Stephen Adams is going to be around forever, and just adding another big man to that mix who, you know, in a couple of years' time, can maybe have an impact. He's interesting. Last pick is Denver. Their, their first selection was at 21. It was Agbaji. So what are you doing to round out and to finish off our mock draft here at pick number 30? Yeah, complete accident that this is now going to happen oh, yes. twice. But I'm picking teammates here. Let's go. I'm, I'm, I'm going this way. Uh, Christian Brown out of Kansas. Oh, yes. 30th here to the Denver Nuggets. There's something about his personality and his competitiveness that I'm really attracted to that I think fits in well with a team that has championship aspirations. The Denver Nuggets are one of these rare championship contenders now that they're starting to get healthy that needs a little bit of help and depth on the wing. I would love to see both Agbaji and Brown, two college teammates who know how to play off of each other, 
are ready to come in and compete on the defensive end and both drill shots off ball. I think that they're the perfect combination of combo guards and wings to really fit with this Denver Nuggets roster. So if I'm in the front office here with the Nuggets, I'm thrilled to be walking away, not with just two guys that I think can help us right away, but two incredible young men and competitors that are going to fit in well with a championship-level culture. Well, first first of all, you said, I'm going to do something, and I was excited. I thought you were going to do the Nikola Jokic-Jokic pairing, and I was, I was pumped. I was, so, I was so excited. And then you went with this guy. And I'll tell you what I don't like about Christian Brown is that he mispronounces his last name, and that's going to forever bug me. And that's why just I, I, I'm not rooting for him. I am rooting for him because I want all these kids to succeed. But it annoys me that he doesn't pronounce his name the way that it should be pronounced. But anyway, there he is, Christian Brown, who I I can easily see, Adam, him having a better career than Agbaji. I don't think that that's a huge stretch. And they get both of them tried out. The college team, I think, I think it's something to, to really look at as we move forward in NBA drafts and scouting and all that sort of stuff. Just that extra year of chemistry yeah, might, might be pretty helpful, especially at the top end of things. Well, that brings us to the end of our mock draft. Adam, I'll let you get out of here. Then I'll recap the whole mock draft just so everyone's got it on the screen. Thank you for coming on and doing this with me. Now, tell us what you're doing. I just listened to your podcast, the Box and One podcast with Sam Vecini, which I think you released yesterday. So just listen to that. Go check that out. What else you got going on the YouTube channel podcast? What's happening for you leading up to the draft? Oh, man. So we're going to have one more mock draft coming out here between now and Thursday on our YouTube channel. We just finished and are publishing for public record our overall big board at the end of the cycle which goes 150 players deep so check that out on our Substack page the box and one we'll have some small pieces coming out now uh between i think the next 48 hours something that has to do with draft intel a couple of rumors that we're hearing a list of a couple of our favorite sleepers and second round value guys that go a little bit under heralded in the draft and more than anything i'm just really excited to be watching one of my favorite nights of the year, which is being a fan, turning off those uh, shams and woge notifications and just seeing what happens on draft night. Because like anybody else, I love watching this stuff and uh, and to be able to, to spitball and talk about a lot of these prospects with you today, Josh, has been a real pleasure. So thank you so, so much for having me on. Not a problem at all. Go and check out the Box N1 podcast. Go and check out the YouTube channel. Go and follow Adam over on Twitter at Spinella14. Adam, it's been too long, but thank you for finally coming on the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Thank you so much. All right, so let's just recap that mock draft now that uh, Adam's gone back to his life. And we can just go through the rest of these picks. I did run this on a mock draft simulator so I could keep track of everything. And if you haven't seen it, I'm going to show the screen now. It's called Fanspo, F-A-N-S-P-O.com. And you can do great mock drafts over there. So I'll, I'll chuck the screen over. You guys can see that if you are here on YouTube. At number one, we went with Chet Holmgren to Orlando. Two was Paolo Banquero to the Thunder. Three, Jabari Smith to Houston. Four was Jaden Ivey. Five, AJ Griffin to the Pistons. Six was Shaden Sharp to the Pacers. Seven was Keegan Murray to the Blazers. Eight was Dyson Daniels to the Pelicans. Nine, Benedict Matherin, big Ben Matherin, goes to the Spurs. Number 10 was Jeremy Sohan to the Wizards. 11 was Jalen Duran to the Knicks. 12 was Mark Williams to the Thunder. 13, Jaden Hardy to the Hornets. So I just need to fix that screen up. 14 was Usman Jeng to the Cavs. And 15 was Johnny Davis back to the Hornets. Now, at number 16, 16 was Tari Eason to the Hawks. 17 was Jalen Williams 
to the uh, Rockets. 18 was Malachi Branham to the Bulls. 19 was Ty Ty Washington to the Wolves. 20 was Gabriel Prochita to the Spurs. Uh, 21 was Oshai Agbaji to the Nuggets. 22 was Max Christie to the Grizzlies. 23 was EJ Liddell to the Philadelphia 76ers. 24 was Blake Wesley to the Bucks. 25 was Dalen Terry to the San Antonio Spurs. 26 was Marjan Beauchamp to the Rockets. 27 was Jake LaRavia to the Heat. 28, Patrick Baldwin Jr. to the Warriors. 29, Ishmael Kamagate to the Grizzlies. And then 30 was the big fella, Christian Brown, over to the Denver Nuggets. So that was the mock draft. Tomorrow, I'm going to be doing my final mock draft, all 60 picks of what I think, plus what I think will happen. So we're going to do that in the mock draft tomorrow. And then don't forget, live show on Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Stick around or stay tuned. It's on the YouTube page. You'll see the link. I'll tweet it out as well, of course. And guys, don't forget to follow this show, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app here on YouTube. Thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.